0: The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus teaches a principle here in this parable, a number of principles that he lays down. And he reminds us of our responsibility. Last week we talked about the fact that we are servants of God, but not just servants of God. <clears throat> We're not hired by Him. We are slaves of God. And we looked at the fact that James and Peter and Paul and, and others begin their letters as James does, James the servant or the slave of God, and he understood his role in that. And we, we ask ourselves, what would have motivated James, as the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, to endure the persecution he endured, to reach out to others with comfort and encouragement, and faithfully serve his master, Um, we understand that James, when Jesus, his half-brother, ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, James was there. So James heard Jesus say, the angels say, after he was taken up from them, said, Why do you stand here looking up into heaven? This same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you've seen Him taken. And James, the reality of the fact that at any time, Jesus would reappear, and he understood the teachings of Jesus, that He was entrusted with many things, and Jesus, the Master, would soon be appearing over 40 years ago i i worked for a couple of summers on the rock island railroad and was on the tie gang we'd replace the the ties that were rotted on the rail line so many times we'd be out miles in the middle of nowhere and working and as always the case, there's some that work and others that let others do the work. But anytime we'd look down the track and we'd see a set of headlights, a pair of headlights, we knew if there was one headlight coming, we were in trouble, okay? Thankfully that never happened. But when we'd look down the track and see a pair of headlights coming we knew that was the foreman or the boss in his truck on the rails coming down and it's incredible when that was seen how much work was done and and it always marvelled me i mean i stopped and thought these bosses aren't idiots and they'd pull up and, man, everybody was working like crazy and, and, you know, they were just going at it hard as could be. Because someone would say, hey, somebody's coming. Boy, they'd pick up their shovels, they'd pick up their, and go to work like crazy. And I thought, that boss knows if we were working that hard all the time, we would have been a few more miles down the rail than that. But they were concerned about being seen as a hard worker to this boss. Why? Because the boss is coming. And we are going to be accountable and get up and get busy. Well, in this account that we are given in Matthew 25, there are many principles that remind us That the boss is coming. And he, he teaches us a number of important things that, that I believe James realized this and that's why James was as faithful as he was. And James understood his responsibility. But we want to look at this parable and glean from it some principles that can help us in our life. Number one, God gives to each individual differently. That may not sound like a big thing, but he gave to one five, he gave to another two, and it mentions talents here. It's not talents like we think of talents. It it was money that was given to him, but it's, it's, it's symbolic of what God gives to us. He gave to one five, he gave to one two, and to another one he gave one. Number one, God is sovereign, and God can do whatever He wants, and He gives to every one of us differently. We are all created differently. We are all of the same value to God, but He entrusts to different people different things. And this doesn't sound like a big thing, but it it really is. Because we get caught up in this matter of comparing ourselves with one another. We compare our upbringing with someone else. We compare our gifts with someone else. We compare um, our finances with someone else. We compare our struggles, our trials with someone else. And when we compare... We are essentially telling God that what He's created wasn't good enough for us. Or we may compare and say, look at, I'm better than them because I have this or that. The one that was given the five did not bother Himself with the one that was given two or one, and saying, wow, I must be somebody really special to God. Look what he gave me. And this is is, is very, very important for us to, to... I see this in human nature. We end up comparing ourselves often with one another. Can we let God be God and accept what he has given to us And quit comparing ourselves to others. You know, I think of it, God's given you a row to hoe. Get your nose in your row and start hoeing. It doesn't matter what the other person's row looks like. Well, they got this. I got kale growing in my row. They got green beans. It doesn't matter. I am responsible for the role that God gave me and get in your role and take care of your role and hold your role and nurture your role and deal with that. And in this account, it's it's clearly evident that God deals with us differently. And that's a good thing. Now, I'll just add this. That tells me God isn't a socialist, okay? Enough said right there. God deals with us differently, and we are given great freedom. Did you notice? He he gave to them the five and two and one, and he didn't tell them what to do with it. He didn't tell them it says the The ones that got five and two went and traded, went and invested, or it doesn't go into detail. They had full control over what they did with what God gave them. They had great, great liberty and great freedom. The one with the one went and buried it, and we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. You have the privilege to do what you want with what God has given you. Honestly, God God didn't give many restrictions. We are free to make whatever decisions, but we are not free to choose the consequences that come by our decisions. With freedom comes great responsibility. With freedom comes the, the great, great privilege of, of, um, choosing, but then the responsibilities. We, we still laugh in our family. Um, when Isaac, our firstborn, got his first car, And started learning the responsibilities of having a car and just they're a money pit. They suck money out of you, you know. They're a necessary evil. As only a firstborn can do, when, I forget whether it was Kerr or Caleb, were the next that were buying a car. Isaac said to them, you just wait. When you get a car, you got to Change the oil, you got tires, batteries, this is, and, and then all oh, it's cracked up to be, you know. So every time somebody gets a car, oh wait, when you get a car, there's great liberty. Oh, I get to buy a car. Oh, you mean I gotta change the oil? Oh, the battery's dead. Oh, this, all oh, that. With freedom comes a lot of responsibility. And the responsibilities five talents that he's responsible for. He had the he had the ability to do whatever he wanted with it. And God gives us great freedom. But we learn from this account the master will hold us accountable. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. In the parable that we read, it says that the, after a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says, Every believer, that was written to believers, every believer will appear before the Bema seat of Christ. And we will give account of the things that we have done in this life. We will give an account. God has given us, however many years we live, He's given it to us. Whatever mental capabilities, whatever physical capabilities, um, whatever opportunities, God has given us all these, and then... He says, but I want you to know, I'm the master, and someday you are going to give an account to me for what you did with what I gave you. The reality of understanding that we are slaves of Christ, He is the master, we are accountable for Him. Romans 14.12 brings out the same thing. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us, if you please have a bag that God is holding you and I responsible for. It's a stewardship bag. It's a bag of privilege. It's a bag of opportunity. And we are responsible for what we do with that. And we are managing, given the opportunity to manage God's possessions, God's gifts, and we will answer to Him for that. You think of that awesome responsibility that God gives us. That someday I will answer to God for the things that I have done in this body. And we're not going to spend time going into all the ramifications of that. Um, Sufficient to say that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we do, the Master expects us to improve what we have been entrusted. We learn from that, from this passage in Matthew 25. God does not expect us to maintain He does not expect us to to just keep the status quo. God expects improvement. So he says, I've given you a mind. I want you to use that mind in a manner that improves it. I've given you this 24 hours or these 50 years or these 80 years or James had in his thirties probably years, whatever, he says, whatever this gift that I've given you, I want you to improve it. It's clearly evident from the account that we're given. That means that it requires us investing, not just monetarily, But investing our energies, our efforts, it means taking risks. It means, okay, the one that had five, I'm going to use this in this manner, and maybe I can get some more. And you note, he came back and he said, Master, you gave me five. And he said, look here, I've got five more. And the master said, well done, thou good and faithful slave. And the other one came and he said, oh, you only gave me two. No, he didn't say that. He said, you gave me two? And I used it and improved it to two more. Increased by the same percent that the first one did. See, don't fall into this comparison thing. You can get a hundred percent reward for whatever you have been entrusted, as you use it for God's honor and glory. And the reality is, what do we have to show to God for the resources He's given, for the opportunities, for the family, for the work, for the life that He's given? The Master expects us to improve what we've been entrusted And the message of all of what he's saying in this is really the message that we need to be ready for the Master's return. It's the message that of that day and of that hour knoweth no man. Do you understand the reality of that? We could be giving account to God today. I mean, this isn't some pie-in-the-sky, heavenly buy-and-buy stuff. This is the reality. None of us knows when is our last day. None of us knows God's timing, when He's coming again. The reality of this that I could be giving account to God today or this week or before we see October or before you see your next birthday. The reality, wow, what have I done? What do I have to show for the life that I've lived? We we hear a lot of talk about midlife crisis. There ought to be a judgment day crisis that, hits us along the line somewhere in in life, and makes us say, wow, what do I have to show? What am I going to show to God for what I have done, for what I have received? First of all, you better make sure you are a child of God. I mean, the reality is that's not a given. Has there been a time in your life where you personally acknowledged And and understood, I am an enemy of God. My rebellion, I have rebelled against God's ways and God's nature. I am a sinner. I am separated from God. And I understand that I am an enemy of God. And the only thing that can correct my sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And to come to the point and time where we say, God, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ to cover my sin. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the master, the name of the Lord shall be saved. That the blood of Jesus Christ reaches to the uttermost, the farthest from God that we could ever imagine he is able to forgive but we first of all need to make sure I definitely am a child of God. There's evidence of it in my life. And we don't have the time to go into evidences that that we're a Christian. Other than, one, you ought to have a desire for the Word of God. If there's no desire for the Word of God, I would say you're comatose. You're dead. There's no spiritual life there. But with the reality ready for the Master's return... We need to, first of all, make sure we're a child of God. And secondly, what are you doing with what God has given you? With your mind, with your body, with your soul, with every day. What are you doing with the Bible that God has given you? What are you doing? I'm not saying you improve the Bible, but are you allowing the Bible to improve you? Are you investing it? What are you doing with the church that God has given you the opportunity to be a part of? What are you doing with the neighbors, with the workers, with your friends, and those people in your life that aren't your friends? You know, every one of us have people in our lives, and they're put there, they're given to us by God. You may not consider them your friends, some you may consider your enemies but what are you doing to improve that situation? What are you doing? God, you gave me this person, and this is what I did with it. Will he say, well done, thou good and faithful? Or will he say, look it, I gave you this, I gave you this, I gave you this. What did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? And the parable is intending to say What it says in verse 13 that we don't know the day of the hour of the Lord's return. Just be sure you're, you're ready when He comes again. That's He, we didn't look at the beginning of the chapter, but that was the message of the parable of the ten virgins. Make sure you're ready. Make sure, and, and it's not just make sure I'm saved. How have you used what God has given you? Why? Because we will be rewarded or suffer loss according to what we, have, what we have done. The first two were rewarded for developing their gifts. The third one suffered loss. The third one really pretended to be a servant, but he didn't know the master at all. He accused God of being hard and ungracious. Notice what he said. Verse 24, Then the one who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. He didn't know the master, did he? Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. In essence, do you understand what he's saying? I know you to be a thief. You're you're taking stuff from where you didn't even plant. He didn't know the heart of the master. And he said, and because of that, I was afraid and went and hid your talent, and here it is. Aren't you happy that I preserved this that you gave me? I, I'm bringing it back to you just like it was. And the Lord said, if you really did think I was hard, and if you really did think that I went and and harvested where I never planted He's saying, don't give me that feeble excuse. If you really believe that, you would have at least gone and taken it to the banker and invested it and at least gathered a little interest. He then says, you are a lazy and worthless servant. He called him on his excuse Oh, I know you are very tight and you are very hard to please and I didn't want to lose this and I kept this in safekeeping. And he says, you are a liar. You are lazy. You are deceitful. If you really believe that, you would have worked harder than ever to, to invest it and use it. And he said, you did not use this. You are not my servant. And he pretended to be a servant, but he didn't know his master at all. He accused God of being a thief. In other words, God said to him, you are not my servant at all. If your problem was that you thought I was hard, thought I take where I don't plant, he said, you don't understand me at all. He said, I gave to you so that, and I gave you the freedom and the liberty to use it in whatever way you wanted, but I expected you to improve it, and now I have come, and the first two received rewards, the third one suffered loss. The message to every one of us in this is, someday... I am going to give an account to God. With what, too late now, but what I did this last week, how I invested my time. How did I improve this hour that God gave me? What I did with my money. What I did with the talents God has given me. What I've done with, with my mind and, and all the things that we've already mentioned. What God has put into our lives. And that's why He said, to whom much is given. And we sit here today and around the world, we, has been, we have been given as much as anybody has been given. And I'm not just talking financially or possession-wise. We have been given the opportunity to hear the truth. What are we doing with it? How are we responding? And someday I will stand before God and all my excuses will be wiped away. And the last thing I want to hear is you faithless and lazy servant. What we desire to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful. Don't, don't whine about, well, I only have this or I don't have that, I don't have this. Just get in what God has given you in the place God has put you and use it for His glory. God, thank you that you have given me this opportunity. Thank you that you have given me today. Help me today to honor you in everything I say, and everything I do. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. The reality is we aren't guaranteed that just because our heart may stop. The second reality is the Lord may come. But we do know this. Jesus is coming again, and I someday am going to give an account of myself to Him. It's not just God gave you all these things, go enjoy it, have fun, talk to you later. No. Go invest it, improve it, I give you great freedom, but I want you to know I will hold you accountable, and I will reward you or you may suffer loss. Heavenly Father, I pray your Spirit would pierce our hearts to the reality that someday we will give an account to you. It's not the boss coming. It's not the CEO calling us into his office. It's you, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Father, our Shepherd, our Friend, But someday you will be the one to whom we are accountable to. And God, I pray that our priorities would be rearranged. I pray that we would be conscious of what you've given us. And I pray that we would be conscious to improve what you've given us. By your grace that we may hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, slave of mine. Lord, I pray if there is one here today that is not sure they belong to you, not sure that they are a member of your family, I pray today that your spirit would convict And draw them to you. And that today would be the day that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray for every believer here today. May the reality of the judgment seat of you change our lives. Change our priorities. And Lord... May we be content with what you have given us responsibility for in the sense of not comparing with others. But, Lord, may we be diligent to faithfully care for and enhance what you have given us that we may truly hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.